Easily one of the most exciting Kickstarters in the last 12 months or so has been Hyper Light Drifter, a game that asked for not very much money uh, and then was rewarded with more than $600,000. People are excited about this sort of modern take on The Legend of Zelda, Secret of Mana. There's a lot of old influences that these guys are trying to take into consideration when making something new. And you know it's going to play kick-ass when... The designer Samurai Gun is behind it. Uh, I didn't talk to Bo, who's that designer on Samurai Gun and Hyper Light Drifter, but I did have a chance to play a bunch, uh, well, not a bunch, like 10 minutes, which felt like a bunch compared to zero, of Hyper Light Drifter at GDC, and then spent a couple minutes chatting with uh, Alex Preston and uh, Teddy uh, Diefenbach, who are both working on the game, and we walked through a little about the influences and uh, what they're planning for the game. I'm super excited, and you should be too, uh, go ahead and listen to our conversation. If people aren't familiar with like, what is Hyper Light Drifter and what are you guys sort of hoping to accomplish with the game? Um, it's a fast-paced action RPG in the vein of Link to the Past. Um, and you're exploring a vast, broken world. Um, and there's a lot of secrets in it. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that people first know is that, you know, obviously you guys raised money on a Kickstarter and then it went like way, way, way beyond what it was originally supposed to be like how did that change the scope of the game or how did it not change the scope of the the game that you guys kind of set out to make um originally the game was just going to be developed by myself and Bo Blythe who made Samurai Gun so once we got enough money hired Teddy and we have another person Casey Hunt so that in itself was a big boost for us because now we can do more we can animate more things, we can have more robust levels. The general structure of the game is still the same, the storyline is still the same. Um, The areas that I was going to develop anyway with just a two-man team are um, at its core the same. It's just that there's now the chance for us to refine everything and expand certain components of it more than we ever would have before. Also, the animation's way nicer than it would have been. (laughs) That's a big thing, so. Um, Why do you think it connected like that with people? Uh, I think people miss this genre. I think they um, they have a certain nostalgia for it, and they want to see it advanced in a way that moves past all the tropes and the you know shitty mechanics that were due to limitations from games past. Um, and there again, for me at least, there's a lot of love for something like Link to the Past. And you saw what Nintendo did with Link Between Worlds and advanced it in a way that was positive and modern and good, and it felt it felt right. So, in that same vein, we're taking stuff that was excellent, you know, 16 years ago, and reintroducing components and introducing new stuff into it that makes it feel better and more modern. What what is it about Zelda, or is it maybe just specifically linked to the past that, like, you just can't quite get out of your head? Um, I know, it's like all those old action RPGs, uh, the overhead stuff, like Secret of Mana, or even Second Densetsu 3, which never came out here, but everybody played on emulators. (laughs) And it's, it's... there's something about that perspective. There's something about being able to control that space and um, something interesting about those worlds that they built in that you don't necessarily see today because specifically with that flat top-down surface, you had to do interesting things within that, like limited things in that space. And you don't see that as much today with 3D worlds and all that. It's like open-ended and there's a lot of ups and downs, and whatever else. But limiting yourself to that canvas, I think, there's still stuff to explore there. And is for me is really impactful as a kid. 
Yeah, there's like that adage of make what you want to play. And I think like I've gone back to Secret of Mana like three times in the last five years and, and tried to play it again with like new friends, with my adult friends, because like I made really good friends playing it as a kid. And I can't, like it doesn't feel good anymore. It, it like the, the charge up mechanic is really cool, but it's a little clunky. Super so, clunky. So us getting to, to make this, to like have Bo, who does like combat feel like nobody else, like make it feel really good and we're working on making it feel really fast. And just have like a, a richer world, do things visually and technically we couldn't have done. They couldn't have done. No push block puzzles. <laughs> none of the, none of those. No zombies. No, no fucking zombies. No fucking zombies. What about like Nazi zombies? Like no, like put a twist on it. None of those either. No. That was my favorite part about Link to the Past though. It was like Nazi yeah. yeah you and get to the dark world and it's like, oh, all these Nazi zombies. And then the ghosts are going, ooh, <laughs> Sigheil. Yeah. That's we, we made a uh, we made a Google Doc after we did like a Twitch stream. We made a Google yeah. Doc of, of this running list of stuff we have. That's like no, this is not going in the game. These are the things that we don't like about games or old games and even modern games. And we had we opened it up to everybody who wanted to see it, and we got a lot of positive comments. And it was weird because certain people were having like comment chains in the Google Doc itself about like push block puzzles and nothing, you know, putting something at a dead end, like always having something to grab there. And people are like, oh, I think they mean that no, there will be push block puzzles, but they'll be at dead ends and they'll be over here and we'll actually use it in this way. Don't worry, guys. I think they're okay. Yeah. It's like, no, we fucking hate push block puzzles. None of them. <laughs> it's like the frustration of, of a play test early on where someone's doing something you don't want them to do. It's like yeah. they're reading our design documentation and misinterpreting it. It's like, don't. It's like a very blatant, we're not having this in the game then they're having these weird interpretations of it still it's like how can what the where's what are you missing in this equation in the phrase no push block puzzles what tells you yeah. tons of push block puzzles Lots of absolute push like the whole game is push block puzzles so what, what were some of the other tropes or like other things like that that you guys like absolutely want to avoid uh, no wasted content is kind of the biggest thing for me you know we so far the way we've been building the game um, if you think something more like Super Mario RPG where there's a lot of smaller numbers of things and what I loved that it, that Square did was pull back from Final Fantasy 6 or any of the others where it's like thousand hit points of damage or whatever. It's like Mario is very simple and straightforward but still a very deep and satisfying game and that's the kind of thing for us like we don't want a lot of wasted numbers, wasted content, picking up feathers, all that kind of crap. No MMO garbage in it. Like, hey, go get four husks for me and build a sack. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something interesting, like get a water filter and help a town because they're they're having a drought and people are dying, and it's actually an impactful item that you're seeking out. Yeah, so. one, of the, one of the things we changed since the what's seen in the Kickstarter video is like there used to be numbers that came out when you hit enemies, like damage numbers. And when we started dialing, like the numbers were already simple, but we realized like it's simple enough. If 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 the richest health enemy has like five health, like you can figure that out. You can learn that and know that as a player, and we don't have to spam the screen with numbers and letters. Well, and the other problem was, you know, I think we all hate bullet sponges. Like, the only game that I ever liked it in was Gears of War because. The way that the way that the game played, it felt right. right. But every other game, it's like, why am I shooting this guy eight thousand times? Or I have a light sword. Why am I not cutting through him instantly? It's like I shot that dude in the yeah. face. Like, come on. He should be dead. <laughs> so our game is much more in the vein of like a shmup, even like the way that we're designing, the way that I think about the combat. It's like things will die very quickly, and so will you. So you have to strategically plan out how you're going to do it, rather than just say, I have a lot of hit points, and I'm going to stand here and take a bunch of damage and you know, dispatch a bunch of damage. Like Diablo 3 always felt, that was the one big disconnect for me 
where the combat feels excellent in it, but I'm standing there taking 8,000 hits from all these mobs and constantly healing and having these other healing components and shields and whatever else and like I have to click this meter and that meter. It's like, why am I doing this? It doesn't make any sense. It's like completely disconnected from what you would actually do in combat. So kill things quickly. That's kind of like a big motto for us in combat. Well, and that feels relatable too. Like everything's vulnerable, like you said. Like yeah. you have low health, enemies have low health. Like I understand that because if someone shot me, I would die. So it's nice to feel like, just like, yeah, if, if that guy's a giant dude and he's going to land on me. You're probably dead. He's going to kill me. Yeah. He's going to smash you. Do, you. do you find that, you know, sometimes tropes are there because they're like solutions to problems that were maybe a product of the time um, or, or made sense for that game. As much as you want to avoid them, do you sometimes find that it can be you find yourself backing into them just because they're a convenient or known solution to something that you're working on? Um, I think there's certain things that work, that still work, and I don't know. Um, I don't know if we're we feel like we're backed into any corners. I think we have enough talent. Do you sometimes find like, hey, we're not going to do this, and all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, like that's in the game. No, no. I think from the outset we've had I've had a pretty clear vision of what I want to do, and everybody on the team has kind of guided it into a much more focused form. So even if there's stuff where it's like, well, we can't quite figure it out. Like we had a shield at one point um, and it was gonna be a core mechanic of the game. Like one of the face buttons was dedicated to the shield that was gonna reflect stuff, that was gonna block stuff. And after like a month or two of really sitting down and just tweaking it, it wasn't making sense. Like no matter what we did, because the game is so much more fast paced and it just slowed everything down. It's like, fuck it, let's get rid of it. So if it's not working, we're just going to get rid of it and think of how to do it better or do something else. So I don't think we're I don't think we're slogged down by any of that stuff too much. We have enough brains on the team to get past that stuff. How many people are working on the game now? Four people: Teddy, Bo, Casey, and myself. So it's still like an extremely tiny team. Yeah, very small team. We have uh, a couple of freelancers. We have Disaster Piece doing the soundtrack. Um, we have a sound guy in Seattle who's excellent. He's doing all the impact and wet sound effects for everything, which makes it feel really good like sound is so important to a game experience and I think Nintendo understands that more than any other company like the little flourishes in a game are what makes things feel great so a small team though I love having a small team and so then what's it like you know Kickstarter you know the idea sounds great and suddenly you have this community following along the entire time I imagine the community maybe gets attached to certain parts of the game that they see and then when that stuff shifts uh, they certainly probably have opinions on that so how do you how do you weigh like showing the community like you know enlightening them to the process but all realizing that you know hey you know we're the ones making this game we might need to try and make the game that you know what we think works best for the game yeah I think from the beginning I was pretty straightforward about the basic goals like the core of the game and that hasn't changed and then anything else that they may interpret we've been pretty transparent about the process because we had a fan base pretty quickly and which is amazing and they're all great you know we've had such a positive uh, run of feedback from everything that we posted and we post stuff on um, on our Twitter account and on any of the social media we have little videos up on the tumblr showing you know 100 poison wolves getting blown up or set on fire and it's fun to do that stuff so I think as long as we stay transparent with the community about what we're doing and things that we're changing if it's ever going to be drastic which I don't think it is then I think we're okay and I, and I think what they bought into wasn't something that limit us, limits us in terms of the design yeah. you know I think that it wasn't like it's not a gimmick based combat game like oh it's a time traveling sword game or like you can rewind time which is like those things are cool but then you're kind of on the hook that's what they paid for that's what they bought into but like people bought into the the feel of it the world of it like Alex's visual design like this character like and that stuff like I think like we're happy with you know yeah. 
But in terms of, this, like, if we want to throw out the shield, which was in the Kickstarter video, you know, we did. It wasn't working. Bucket shield gone. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we gave ourselves enough room and kept the mechanics broad enough, or the description of everything broad enough, where we can play with what we need to play with and toss out what, what doesn't work. Because ultimately, we're making a good experience no matter what. Like, that's, that's first and foremost the most important thing, is making the experience uh, that we want to play. You know, one of the things that, you know, these days, there are, like, so many games that use, you know, sort of nostalgic sort of graphics, like 2D stuff, pixel art, like, it kind of becomes sort of noise to a certain level. And so you see something that comes along, and it's like, wow, that's, like, really, you know, has a real direction, and it's not just, like, pixels for the sake of being pixels. Like, what, what do you think differentiates that? Because obviously, I think that actually has, you know, a big part of what attracted folks to this game in the first place was, like, wow, like, yeah, it's pixels, but, man, it is something completely different than just, like, retro. Um, I think on our side, for me, it took a while to develop the style. I'd never worked in pixel art before, but I'm, I come from an illustrator painting background. And so color and lighting are extremely important to me. And I think that's what separates the simpler pixel styles out there, the somewhat like uglier pixel styles that you see used as you know a utilitarian method. It's for the sake of keeping it cheap and easy, and that's fine, and it's perfectly functional. But, you know, in order to create something that I was satisfied stylistically, add some dimension to it, add some depth to it, don't be afraid of color. Color is super important to me as a designer, and in order to keep things legible in such a flat world with such a limited canvas, like, you have to give it depth with light and color. It seems like one of the things you guys are trying to accomplish with the game that you kind of mentioned was, uh, you know, if you go back and play some of the older games, unless you have the nostalgia or the context for the game, it doesn't hold up as well because it feels, you know, a little stiff, it doesn't feel as nice. It seems like you're trying to take that and make sort of like someone can get that same feeling I had from that game, but now with something brand new that feels as fresh as it did for like Link to the Past. Yeah, and again, I think that goes right to the core of how we're programming the, uh, the feel of the combat, for example. Like, it, it's much faster than you would see in anything from an SNES-era game, um, and it's much more responsive. And then even for the story side, like, we're, we're doing things in it that weren't possible uh, on old machines or in all these old games. Like, we're using Zoom, for example, as, <laughs> as one of, like, the most basic things, but it adds a lot to the game, being able to zoom out and um, create these scenic views of big, huge structures. Like, you didn't... Big huge structures didn't exist in old games because of memory limitations, because everything was tiled out. Um, so even like if you go back to Link to the Past, you see the temples, they're fucking tiny. Right. Like they're, the outsides of them are very tiny. There's no like epicness to it when you really look at it. But now we can do that. We can build stuff that's humongous, that's 10 screens tall, and zoom out and show it. Something as simple as that is like one of the basic modernizations of it. If I can make, if, if we can make kids feel like I felt playing like. Squaresoft games at the end of the 90s, like like Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy VI, like Super Mario RPG, Earthbound, stuff like that. I mean, that's not Square, but like that's that's all I want to do. <laughs> so where, where are you guys at in the process now? Um, we're just deep in it. I don't, I, you know, we have a plan of what we want to put in it, and we have it all structured for the most part. It's just at this point, we don't know how long certain things will take. We're aiming for the end of the year, but it could take longer. It's not like a Duke Nukem when it's done, like seven years from now, but it basically it's like we're going to take our time and do it right. 